So one of the things that we're doing this semester is we are looking at the book of Hebrews. And we're looking at that book which talks about all these different heroes of faith in God's story in the Old Testament. People who were seeking after God and trying to live by faith. And we're doing that each week of the well, trying to say, how does what they did back then, all those hundreds or thousands of years ago, how does that impact the way that I live now here at Grand Valley, at home, at work? So that's what our hope is tonight. And I'm going to invite Paul Dingman, who's one of our interns, CM interns, and he's going to share the scripture for tonight as we get started. All right. Today we're reading from Hebrews 11:7. By faith Noah, when warned of things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By his faith he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. Hebrews 12:1 through 2. Therefore, since you are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that surrounds so easily. Let us run with perseverance the race marked for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Paul. So tonight I have a question for you. I want you to turn to somebody next to you. Just real quick, have you ever regretted a purchase? <laughs> like you bought something and like it didn't turn out like you planned. Maybe you bought a galaxy, whatever, that's burning down things now and you're not really happy you went with the Samsung phone. Whatever. I'm wondering, have you ever regretted something you did or regretted a purchase I want you to just turn to somebody next to you and just say, talk about that for a minute. What did you buy and why did you regret it? Based on the energy in this room at that moment, there's a lot of regretted purchases that we've had. Now what I want to share with you is we're going to turn in Scripture to Genesis chapter 6 and sort of focus on the story of Noah, one of the most famous stories in the Bible. Noah and the ark and the animals. It's the story that, you know, when you're a little kid, your parents are expecting a baby. They get wallpaper that has Noah and a giraffe head and an elephant all in an ark just smiling away. Here we are in the ark. And it's an awesome story, but tonight we're going to unpack it a little bit more and we're going to look at it a little bit more in depth. But I want you to hear these words because they're striking words. In Genesis 1, God created everything out of nothing and finished his creation by making man and woman. And when it was all done, he said it was very good. And then for two chapters, it's going really good. But then things turn south. And in a couple of generations, things end up, in ten generations, things end up at a very difficult place. 
here's the reality as we begin the story, is that what we read in Genesis 6 is God saying this in verse 5. It says, The Lord saw how great the wickedness on the earth had become, and every inclination and thought of his heart was that man's heart was evil all the time. The Lord was grieved that he had made man on the earth, and his heart was filled with pain. God regretted making the world and creating mankind. And the world had become so corrupted by our rebellion, by humanity's rebellion, so stained, so wicked, so evil, that God brought judgment. After trying and trying and trying, God brought judgment, and that was going to come in a flood. But God had a greater plan. God was looking for someone who could be part of his detailed rescue plan. God needed a person of integrity, someone who walked with him to do the job. After a lifetime of knowing and walking and trusting in God, Noah had been prepared for this moment. Noah, God warned Noah. And Noah heard God and trusted God and started to enter into this moment where God was going to bring a difficult judgment, but God was going to provide a way through Noah and his family to keep his promise alive. Genesis 7 tells us that Noah was 600 years old when God fulfilled his promise to destroy the earth, flood the earth. And before then, he spent years building the ark. Now, I just want to talk a little bit this morning. I can't go into the whole story. I know there's a lot. Hopefully, you can unpack it in your small, in your life groups. And just even on your own, I encourage you to read Genesis 6, 7, 8, and 9. But here's what I want you to see. I want to raise up the way that Hebrews chapter 7 does. What was it about Noah and his faith that we can learn from today as we live out our faith? You see, Noah's faith at first was founded on reverent fear. Noah stood alone in a godless culture. A man who loved and feared the Lord, he walked before God and had been chosen to build an ark to become the father of a whole new world. He must have been ridiculed. Can you imagine stepping out in faith when you had never seen a flood before? You lived in the desert? Never even seen a ship that size before? Some commentators say based on Genesis 2 that it may not even have rained before where they lived because the streams had flooded the ground. And this is what it says again in Hebrews 11.7. It says, By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning the events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. And by this he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Noah had a reverent fear of God. And maybe, I'm being honest for all of us tonight, is maybe we've lost a little bit of that reverent fear for God. 
It's easy to fall in the trap of thinking of God as a big man in the sky or a kindly grandpa in the sky or just our bud or our homeboy or whatever. <laughs> but we follow a holy God. It talks about him in scripture as being almighty, the lawgiver, the mighty God and ruler. And the Bible doesn't paint a picture of God being weak or powerless. It says God is the Prince of Peace. He is faithful and true. The God we worship is an almighty rock. When he says something, it's true. And Noah responded to what he knew about God with a reverent fear. He did so without complaint, without argument. He said he was blameless in comparison to his generation. He didn't have a fear of man. He had an appropriate, reverent, awe-filled, wonder-filled fear of God. And let me ask you tonight, just quickly, and say, how often do you step out when you're trying to do something with sort of this awesome, reverent fear of God? Because if you're like me, if I'm honest and we're honest, I'm guilty of worrying too much about what might go wrong with something that God might call me to do or something that might go wrong as I try and step out in faith or worry about what other people think of me. I'm, worried, I'm guilty of worrying more about what others think more than I fear God. And my challenge for you and I tonight is that what we can learn from Noah as he stepped out in reverent fear following God was that he didn't focus on the coming rain. He didn't focus on all the obstacles of things that were in his way to build a boat 450 feet long, 75 to 100 feet wide, a couple stories tall, this huge boat. He'd never built a boat before, let alone one as big as a big ship or even something like the Titanic or the Queen Mary. Noah didn't focus on these things. He focused on God. And maybe for us, as we face the storms and challenges of our life right now here at Grand Valley, here in your life, your particular thing is... How do you focus not on the storms, not on the challenges? How do you not focus on the coming rain in, a, in context of the story, but focus on the God who does reign, who sits on the throne? My prayer for all of us tonight is that God would convict each and every one of us to have a spirit with a, of reverent fear as we follow him by faith. Just sort of saying, God, we're going to take you at your word. We trust you with what you say. We read your word. We listen for you as we read the book, the Bible. We listen for you and we get quiet when we pray and we listen for how you prompt us by your Holy Spirit. Lord, we want to be people who follow your plan. So tonight I want to challenge you to recover some of that reverent fear that we see in the life of Noah. And my second challenge to you is this, is that Noah's faith at its core was obedient. He listened to God and then 
did what God said completely. The Bible doesn't explicitly say so, but we can infer that Noah's contemporaries probably wondered what he was doing, and many people probably laughed at him and called him foolish. They probably scoffed at the idea that God would really destroy the earth. After all, he'd tolerated their wickedness, perhaps for centuries. He'd have no reason to destroy them now after all those generations. Noah had every reason perhaps not to obey God. He didn't see immediate fulfillment of what God said. It didn't rain for 100 years, 120 years as he prepared and built the ark. And all the visual evidence before him indicated that he was a fool. Probably this response would be accurate in Noah's day of how they treated him and what they thought of him. The people were in rebellion against God. Why should they even listen to God? What a lot of questions Noah could have had. He could have said, why me? He could have asked, what's a flood? He could have even wondered who was going to clean up after all those animals. Instead, he never disobeyed. It says the word of God tells us in Genesis 6.22, it says, Thus Noah did all that God commanded him. And if we are honest, most of us Christians have felt this way at some time in our spiritual walk. God has prompted us and promised us something or asked us to do something, and yet our obedience seems to only bring trouble. If you're experiencing something like that now, you know, you're trying to step out in faith, you're trying to respond to God, to, to what he's doing in your life, what he's prompting you to do, and you're facing some obstacles or some challenges or some op- opposition, I hope you'll study Noah's example. He obeyed in everything. He obeyed God in everything despite the evidence. Twice we're told that he did all that God commanded him to do, not missing a single detail because of his commitment. Because of his commitment, he and his family were saved. When I'm tempted to waver or grow weary, Noah inspires me. What would it be like to face the kind of ridicule he faced all those years? You know what it's like when you sit in a classroom and you're the only one And that's like an hour and a half. You know what it's like when you're the only one on the team or the only one on your floor or the only one maybe even on... What if you were the only one in the state of Michigan? What if you're the only one in the United States or the only one in the world? That's what you can imagine what Noah was like. What he faced, but he stayed faithful and true and he inspires us. Noah had the ability to see things from a different perspective. He lived life in view of eternal things instead of temporary things. He could live for later, not just for now, for the immediate. He could live for things that would last versus things that would fade away. He could live for things that were true versus things that were false. And he was surrounded by a false world around him that had built their lives on themselves. Let me tell you a quick story. Near the end of World War II, 
Members of the Allied forces were often found searching farms and houses for snipers. At one abandoned house, which had been reduced to rubble, searchers found their way into the basement. There, on a crumbling wall, a victim of the Holocaust had scratched a Star of David, Jewish star, and beneath it was written these words. I believe in the sun, even when it does not shine. I believe in love, even when it is not shown. And I believe in God, even when he does not speak. What I want to say to you and to me tonight is that as you're trying to be faithful to God in what Jesus and the Holy Spirit and God Almighty are prompting you to do, it may be slow in coming, but your obedience will be rewarded. Look to Noah as an example of what it means to face opposition and to live faithful lives in every detail of your life. Noah was faithfully obedient in all things. Now there's one last thing. Noah's life was marked by grace and it was rooted in God's faithfulness. See, at the end of the story, if we jump farther on in the story to chapter 9, after the flood, after Noah had been faithful, after God had flooded the earth and the waters had receded, this is what it says in chapter 9. It says, And God said, This is the sign of the covenant I am making between me and you and every living creature with you. A covenant for all generations to come. I have set my rainbow in the clouds. And it will be a sign of the covenant between men and earth. Whenever I bring the clouds over the earth and the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will remember my covenant between me and you and all my living creatures of every kind. Never again will the waters become a flood to destroy all life. Whenever a rainbow appears in the clouds, I will see it and remember my everlasting covenant between God and all living creatures of every kind on the earth. So God, after the flood, has pushed the reset button and started to recreate. There's a lot of parallels between Genesis 1 to 3 and Genesis 6 to 9. But God makes a promise. Do you have that slide, you guys, of the rainbow, the last slide that I had, if you have it? Right? God says, hey, kid's story. All right. God says, I'm going to put my rainbow in the sky. This is, this is true. And a rainbow is supposed to bring up for us images of a bow hung in the sky. And what God is saying is that my judgment has come down on the earth and I'm not going to, I promise you that'll never happen again. But if I put my bow in the sky, that means when it's loaded, that my judgment will be pointed towards heaven. Pointed towards the heart of God. And for God to make that promise, a sign of a rainbow, meant if God was just and God was good, a righteous judge, he couldn't overlook sin. And so God said in a preliminary promise to Noah, for me to make this promise means that I'm pointing this bow at me. And tonight... We're going to celebrate communion because I believe at the end of that rainbow, 
of God's promise is what that table signifies. That God could make that promise not to bring his wrath and his judgment upon the earth because of what Jesus was going to do and what this bow pointed to. That Jesus, uniquely as God and human, would come to the earth to show us the pathway back to God. And that he uniquely, as the Lamb of God, would take away the sins of the world. And so when you think of this bow, or this bow, I want you to remember that God no more will point his wrath at this earth, but he uniquely fulfills this promise by having Jesus come to this earth, live a faithful life, die on the cross, be buried and risen again so that you might be united in friendship with God like he intended all along, starting in Genesis 1. We caused it. Remember the video? We caused this. We did this. But God's fixing it in his promise and in the person of Jesus. You'll realize in the story of Noah the promise that God made never to do that again and how it points directly to what this table means by Jesus' gift of his life and his death and his resurrection that creates a new way for all of us in Christ. And so I want you to hear, on the, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples saying, take, eat, this is my body given for you. And after he'd given thanks, and after they and he took the cup, and he said, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. Drink this as often as you do in remembrance of me. This is the communion of the body of Christ. This is the communion of the blood of Christ. If we're going to faithfully follow Christ in this world, there's going to be times that we need to follow the example of Noah and stand on our own with God in places where it may be difficult. Or there's times in your life where you're going to have to stand with someone to stand with them and encourage them with what they're facing. Noah and his family was saved by being in the ark. I believe our salvation is found by being in Christ. And so I pray that that be true of you. And tonight as we celebrate communion, that you would feel God's love. Feel God's grace that you can never earn. And you'll be filled with gratitude for God's unmerited favor. Will you pray with me, please? Lord Jesus, we invite your spirit to come. That this bread and this juice would be to us the body and blood of Christ. They would be a sign and a seal of what you intend to be in our life. That this would be a feast of remembrance of your once and for all sacrifice. That it would be a feast of communion where we're bound together in Christ as brothers and sisters across all generations. 
and a feast of hope, knowing that one day we'll be completely united with you. So Lord, we pray that you would use this meal to encourage us in our walk of faith and equip us to be your servants in this world. We pray it in Jesus' name and in the power of the Holy Spirit.